My job is to use ancient wisdom and new technologies, bridging them together to help people wherever they are on this scale to essentially move up on this scale and realize that we are absolutely these divine beings. Like it's almost like we have superpowers. We're like a superhero. And then we were tricked by the masses thinking we're just regular old human beings. It's time to create a life that's better than your dreams with the I Heart My Life show. I'm Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your I Heart My Life show host. This is your one-stop shop for all things personal development meets lifestyle. So pull up a seat, get out a pen and a paper and get ready to learn. Welcome to the I Heart My Life show, Stephen. I'm so excited for our time together. I know it's going to be really eye-opening. My husband, James, is one of your good friends, and I'm getting to know you as well. And he raves about you every time they, you guys spend time together. So I know our listeners are in for a treat. Yay, I'm excited for this. Awesome. So I know you have an incredible backstory. I'd love for you to take us as far back as you desire in terms of how you really got into the work that you do today, created the success that you have, and really got on this path. Yeah. You know, I, I tell most people that our pains and our difficulties in life can be the greatest gifts. And so that's how it started for me. My parents divorced when I was eight. And really when I was seven, seven and a half uh, before the divorce, I, I walked into the room and they were physically fighting. And my dad was like physically choking my mom. And so at age seven, of course, I freaked out, like ran out of the room. Remember, I went and uh, my older brother, who's five years older, they kind of hugged me to help me feel better. And that really set off this feeling of like, there's a lack of safety and a lack of foundation and things could fall apart any minute feeling inside my system. And so uh, they divorced when I was eight. I came to America and we were like, we were dirt poor. Like we didn't have any money. We, we picked from the trash for our furniture. We lived in a room with uh, no bathroom, no kitchen. It was just a room in a bed in a trailer park for like a year. And uh, so my mom worked like 80 hours a week, like as a waitress, because she you know, didn't speak English uh, at a Chinese restaurant to make ends meet. So I was a pretty unsupervised child. And being super unsupervised, I like play video games all day and sat there and ate Oreo cookies or Chips Ahoy. Right? And so that, as you can imagine, does not lead to a healthy mental or physical lifestyle. And essentially, by the time I was 14, I was severely lonely and depressed. And I was just kind of sick of being sick. And back then, I didn't know what to call it. But this voice came into my head that said, hey, there's, there's no difference between you, Martin Luther King, and Bill Gates. Those were the specific names that came. And this is back then when Bill Gates was universally cool. And so <laughs> the message said, the only difference is they, they think differently than you. And I was like, huh, Okay. So at 14, I started reading books. The first book was Psycho-Cybernetics, which is like how to program your subconscious mind. I just started reading a lot of personal development books and courses. Um, and at age 16, someone gave me the Bhagavad Gita. So I embarked on sort of the spiritual text and learning sort of ancient wisdoms. And then at 19, a, a janitor at the gym that I worked at was like, hey, have you heard of Landmark Education? I was like, no. He's like, oh, you should go to the Landmark Forum. I was like, Okay. And so I got into that and went through the landmark uh, system at age 19. And yeah, and since then, I've just studied, you know, how the mind works, how the body works. I got degrees in physiology and biomechanics and physical therapy. 
yeah, just been on this passionate uh, course of understanding basically how I function. And from that understanding came all the businesses and all the things that I do in terms of helping other people understand and, and tap into sort of their inner knowing and their ancient wisdoms. That's amazing. So back when you first heard that voice, there are obviously, you know, even during that time, I'm sure there were thousands of books to choose from. Did you just go to the library and just start looking at the different options and just pull that particular one? Or how did that even happen? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this is pre-Amazon and digital books. So I remember just going to the bookstore and like, and even back then, I, I you know, this, it's interesting, like this, Today, I would say I just follow my intuition. But back then, I didn't have that awareness or that language. But I remember going into the book section, and I was like, oh, this book. And then that was the book I started with. So yeah, it was just like this inner guidance. Maybe back then, I would have made a story like, I don't want to spend too much time on this. This book looks colorful. Let's, let's just get this. But today, I would say it was just you know intuitive guidance for sure. And what were some of the ways in which you started to transform? Like, obviously, you were looking to reprogram your mind. What were some of the immediate, or maybe not immediate, but what are some of the the quickest sort of shifts and results that you started to see? Yeah, for sure. Just applying that book alone, right? Uh, Being mindful of the language that was happening in my head. And especially like right before bed, when your brainwave is starting to slow down and being very, you know, sort of intentional in programming your subconscious mind. I mean, within months, my sadness, loneliness, and borderline depression was significantly better. And that gave me so much more energy because when you're in that emotional state, it just sucks so much energy from you. Like you're tired all the time and, you know, life just doesn't feel good. And so by, by getting out of that state, I was able to have so much more energy and started reading about physiology. I, I started like working out uh, when I was 14. And yeah, just like in every which way life was better. I had more energy. I was feeling better. I wasn't getting as sick. I was at horrible allergies. I was getting sick all the time. I wasn't getting sick anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So those were the initial benefits pretty quickly. And can you lead us down like the journey of the work that you did, you know, after 19 and 20, what did you step into first and foremost? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, another part of the backstory. So when I was in high school, I, did a lot of art. I actually had pieces of my art that went across the country and won all kinds of awards. So I actually had scholarships to go to art school. And but I something in me was like, I don't want to do art as a profession. I didn't want to like go to college and do art and be paid for art. I just like enjoyed drawing. And so my initial game plan was to take a year off after high school to sort of soul search to sort of see what I wanted to do. And my mom was like, well, your brother did that, your older brother did that, and he never went to college. And so she was like, hey, why don't you go to like the community college, at least stay in school for something as you're soul searching. I was like, that makes sense. And so and back then I used to procrastinate. It was the last day of registration, probably like the last hour of registration. I went to the campus to register and I was just like flipping through the, their, their programs. And they had, they had this thing. It was like a one year associate's degree thing on like health and fitness. I was like, oh, you know. Because by then I was like working out a lot and reading all about nutrition and physiology. I was like, oh, that, that would be interesting. So I did that. And then I didn't even realize at the end, you, you basically get, you know, like your personal training certificate. And so at age 19, basically, I started to work at a gym as a trainer, helping people, you know, with their routines and with their nutrition. And at that point, I was like, well, I want to do more than just help people look better. 
right? Like help people lose weight. I wanted to do deeper healing or deeper restorative or, or impact them deeper. And so I kind of fell into, well, what would be the next progression with all the stuff that I already know? And then I got a degree in biomechanics. So I, I wanted to study how mechanically the body worked more. So I went to Penn State and got like a kinesiology degree. And so during that time, I, I actually started creating like new workout programs. We were teaching people and how to work out a different way using basically science instead of just traditional bodybuilding methods. And again, even then, while I was even more effective at helping people like change their bodies, I wanted more. And so I went and got my master's and my doctorate in physical therapy. And so, yeah, that start, started me off on a path of actually figuring out and getting into illness and diseases and different conditions in people's bodies. And I did that for about 12, 12 years into it. I started to realize what I was doing and what I was taught in school, we weren't really getting at root causes. We were still really just addressing symptoms. And so about 12 years into it, so this would have been about 10 years ago, I started really looking into like energy and frequency. And some people would call it also spirituality or ancient wisdom. And that really unlocked everything for me. We now know so much more. Like I learned more root causes slash more really how the body, mind, and spirit functions in the last nine years than all the previous studies for sure. Wow. Yeah, I so resonate with that because I spent four years going to school for psychology yeah. and ended up graduating, was about to go and get a master's in counseling psychology, turned the car around, yeah. moved to London. Mm. And because of entering into a quarter life crisis and feeling you know, lonely and depressed and all the things that you described, yeah. I, de I discovered personal development. And I really was just so surprised that after so many years of schooling, I wasn't taught the stuff that I was essentially teaching myself, at least not in the same way, in a way that I could apply it to everyday life to really make a big shift. So I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, it helps to understand the context of our current medical system. And this is public information. This isn't even conspiracy theory. People can just Google like Flexner report. And essentially in the 1900s, um, we had all kinds of different medical schools looking at energy, frequency, homeopathic, even like traditional indigenous, you know, healing modalities. There were many schools. And back in the 1900s, Carnegie paid this person to, to go around. And the public campaign was, hey, we need to standardize the way medicine is practiced. And so the guy went around, he was funded, he went all around to the colleges and he produced this thing called the Flexner Report. And basically the report said, uh, we need to standardize. There's just too many things going on. So what they did was they shut down all the other schools except for uh, schools that taught um, what was being practiced in Germany, which is like this drug for this symptom. And what's interesting is if you look into what drugs were being invented back then and produced, they were mostly petroleum-based, like Vaseline. And so Rockefeller paid $100 million back then, which would be multiple billions of dollars, to put his team on the boards of all these medical schools. And so it's important for people to realize that our traditional medical system in medical schools, whether it be physical medicine or mind medicine, was energetically and financially based on profits and oil profits. So once you understand that, you go, oh, that's why we weren't taught root causes and, and all. Yes. Wow. So what were some of the earliest stories or learnings that blew your mind that really made you a believer that there's a different way of, and a better way of doing things? Yeah. I, so it was, it was a personal experience because I've... 
I've read so many things. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. But when you've personally experienced it, you're like, okay, that's undeniably uh, incredible. So about 10 years ago, I was working with this woman who actually lives uh, in Wimberley here, Aline. And so she's here. I'm in New Jersey in my own office. And we have two, two floors. I went upstairs to my office to get a massage from my massage therapist. And then I didn't even make it downstairs. I was like a minute or two later after my massage, I got a text from her. And the text said, how was your massage? And I was like, how do you know I just got a massage? She's like, oh, your soul told me. So that was my first undeniable experience that there's something beyond the sciences or what's being measured. And so that's when I really dug deep into like ancient wisdom, spirituality. We can also say quantum mechanics, right? That's like the science word to, to explain all of this. And since then, I've seen, you know, miracles happen through uh, changing people's frequency and energy that just can't be touched with just biological approaches. Can you share some examples? Person with cancer went through traditional medicine, all the chemo, all the things didn't help. She committed to one of our events. And then two weeks before she came to the event, it was all about energy. 12 people of Joe Dispenza's like high level students, all in the same moment, meditated on her behalf and basically sent her, we can call it prayer to, to heal. By the time she showed up at my event, and this was biologically confirmed, she was cancer free. So for people listening, whether they're believers or not, and what you just described, can you talk a little bit about how that actually works? Like, yeah, as best as you possibly can. You know, again, if we use quantum mechanics uh, to explain it, we all know molecules entangle, right? Just like quantum entanglement, they call it. And so what that means is, if for people that don't know, they've been able to see that like a molecule here and a molecule that's like in a different galaxy. Whatever we do to the molecule here in real time without any delay, the other molecule will do the same. And so I believe that many of our molecules are entangled, right? And so what that means is however we vibrate and feel, we can affect with our mind and intention and entangle with someone else's molecule and affect their molecule, right? So that's sort of the quantum mechanics way to describe what's happening. And then from um, a spiritual perspective, we can say that, you know, Carl Jung called it the collective consciousness. Another way to term that is all of our souls, spirits, slash mind, in a way is connected, right? Like we live in this illusion of I have my own body and you have your own body. But as we all know, you know, if you, there's studies showing, for example, physiologically, if a bunch of women start to live together, their menstrual cycles start to sink, right? These are... Um, biological symptoms of something else that's going on that's causing everyone to kind of sync up, right? We can also say through quantum entanglement, the molecules are syncing to each other because you're all in the same proximity. And so from a that conscious perspective, and there's these sacred practices where, again, documented that you can put your mind and intention on something and physically change that matter. Now, I'll give an example. Um, there's a shaman uh, named Sandra Ingerman, and they did a study on her where they put um, water in front of her in a glass, then they put chemicals into this water to change the pH from 7 to 14. So it became very basic, basically. She didn't touch the water. She used her thoughts and emotions on the water. They retested the water, and consistently, it decreased by two points in the pH scale. And for those of you that don't remember chemistry, um, 
a one-point change in a pH scale, like to go from 14 to 13, is a tenfold decrease, right? They're logarithmic. And so to go from 14 to 10, in other words, she changed the pH by a hundredfold using her thoughts and emotions. That's how, and we're all capable of doing this. This is just not taught, you know, in elementary school. Wow. So thank you for sharing that example. That's so helpful. And I know that there's a lot of people listening who want to understand how to better transform their life. We talk to a lot of people who are building businesses. There are people who want to transform their financials. Obviously, we've talked about health a little bit so far. So what would be some of the first steps for someone who is venturing into what you're talking about here today? Yeah, I think the first step would be be very mindful of our language, right? And our language, not just spoken word, of course, but language in terms of internal thought. Because our every thought, whether it's spoken or not, it's even more powerful when we incant the spell, right? Every word that we spell, and I remind people, we, we don't piece the alphabet together. We spell words because that's, it's, you know, sort of uh, left over from ancient, ancient language, right? We're literally spell casting with every word that we think and that we speak. And so just start being very mindful of, of your words and don't try to change every word. Pick a handful that you're thinking and saying that you recognize doesn't serve you and then start to shift them. Now, and I'll give you an example. So you can imagine anyone that's listening, just go through for the next 30 seconds. Imagine saying internally, I have to wake up in the morning. I have to eat breakfast. I have to get dressed. I have to take a shower. I have to drive to work. I have to go to you know, work. I have to come home versus I get to wake up, I get to take a shower, I get to get dressed, I get to drive to work. Just that one word change has a completely different energy, right, in your system. So you can imagine applying that to many, many words that we're using and thinking and and speaking. Yeah, we talk about this a lot when it comes to money within some of our programs, because I know for me, when I first started my business, I was $90,000 in student loan debt and $30,000 in credit card debt. And so the word debt was so heavy for me. And I've since transformed like the emotion around it. But for a long time, I just knew that that word was not something I wanted in my vocabulary. So I changed it to investment because what I realized was like all of that debt and money, like it was investments in my future and things that I was doing. And it, it lightened the load, so to speak. Instead of thinking, oh my gosh, I'm in so much debt, which felt so heavy. Yeah, that's brilliant. I, I tell people um, any mass media words, like the most common words that masses the media uses, question it. It typically has a heaviness or a, a thing that sucks you into it uh, feeling because it's kind of designed that way. I'll give an example. So I, instead of using work, I typically use contribution because any work that you do, you're basically contributing you to an employer, to someone else, to an object. And again, if you just feel into like the energy of work versus the energy of contribution, contribution just feels so much better and lighter, right? And so, yeah, there's a lot of opportunities to kind of question those mass media words. Do you want to up-level every area of your life? Do you want to achieve more success, joy, and abundance? If so, head on over to iheartmylife.com slash go and check out everything we have going on to support you in creating a life that's better than your dreams. I'm curious to know, within your journey, you know, you mentioned your mom working 80 hours a week, barely having anything growing up. How did you get from that? And I know part of it was the work you started doing around 14, but to be able to go to college, to get your master's, to like really transform your life in terms of financials. 
Yeah, so there were different stages of beliefs that fueled me throughout my career. When I was younger, the belief was I saw my mom basically like give up everything and work all the time to have stuff for myself and my brother. And so my earlier belief was if I don't do something important or some kind of meaningful thing with my life, I would be wasting two lives. I'd be wasting my life and her life because she would have sacrificed all of that for nothing. And so I held on to that belief for a few decades. Eventually, I, I let go of the word sacrifice in my field. And so now it's really just listening to my inner guidance, basically. It has nothing to do with any sacrifice or any hardworking. In fact, you know, there was a time where I identified, because I witnessed my mom do it, hardworking, identified as being hardworking. Guess what? I, I worked very hard. I worked like 60 hours a week. I you know, ran my own practice and did all the things. And I realized that that identity no longer served me. And so I started to change my identity from like hardworking to problem solving. And then as a problem solver, I started to have, I was able to scale my business much more because I figured I would just solve the problems. And then the, the staff basically would go in and do all the, all the fixing. And then eventually I realized, wait, I'm just attracting problems because I'm identifying as a problem solver. And so eventually, uh, about eight years ago, I updated to Harmony Maximizer, which means I, I must attract harmony and then maximize that harmony. So my life became infinitely easier just by changing to that identity. And then three years ago, inspired by an event I did down in Mexico, um, I was listening to these, these two brothers that teach energy work speak. And I realized that, you know, with my goal of impacting a billion people, Harmony Maximizer won't get me there. And so since then, I've updated my identity to a resonance magnet, which just means I must attract people of similar or same frequencies. And as a magnet attracts more magnets, it becomes more powerful and attracts even more magnets. So that's been really the, the inner identity shifts that have fueled me throughout this process and different stories and different beliefs. And when you say upgraded your identity, what does that even look like? Like for the per, you know, the person who's listening who loves the idea of that, but what are the tangible steps? Yeah. So for, I'm just thinking back, you know, from someone that's practiced it so long, you, you just do it. But as someone that hasn't practiced, I would recommend doing this. And this will take a while. So give yourself lots of grace. This, this isn't going to be like a 10 minute exercise. Um, what you're going to want to do is just in stillness, in a quiet place, pen and paper, and just write down, I am blank, right? I am smart. I am strong. I am courageous, whatever. Just fill in as many I am's as you can identify. And once you're done, you draw a line next to that. And on the other side of the line, on the other column, you write the opposite of every word that you wrote. For example, if you're like, I am smart, you're going to say, I am stupid, right? I am strong, I am weak. And you write down all the opposites. And then you go back, and this is the, the more time-consuming part, which is you write down at least 10 up to 50 benefits of both sides, 10 to 50 benefits of being strong, 10 to 50 benefits of being weak, 10 to 50 benefits of being smart, 10 to 50 benefits of being stupid. They're, they're there. It will be the, the opposite column. The other column will be the, there'll be a lot of mental friction. Like, what do you mean there's benefits of being that? But there are. And as you force your mind to find the benefits of that other side, what's happening is you're depolarizing Right, you're another way says you're becoming non-attached to either end of that. And so that is the first step to let go, to have space in your ego 
to bring in new identities because currently you're very attached to I am smart, I am strong, whatever it is. And you're basically in fear of being the other thing, which means you're giving energy to it and thus still attracting it. Exactly. Right. And so for for any listener that's really wanting to go deeper into that, there's a great book called Reality Transurfing. And it talks about how the more importance we give to any duality, right? Hot, cold, strong, weak, any importance to it, it basically sucks our energy. And so in this practice, essentially, it's designed to release the attachment or the importance to that polarity. And now you're free to really create whatever identity or story that you choose. Mm, I love that example. And, you know, you mentioned this isn't just going to take 10 minutes. And I want to really, you know, make sure people understand that because this is years of work that you've done. And I know that there's a lot of um, events and retreats and things that you do today that go really deep with people. And so this is not like a surface level transformation, but this can definitely get people started. Yeah. So these aren't just tips and tricks. These are fundamental like you get the keys to your reality things, right? And so they're not just, so they take time. Like that that process, give yourself a day or two, not just like one sitting, at least a day or two. Something that really helped me was understanding the law of polarity, specifically when it comes to abundance and realizing that like lack was an abundance of something. And regardless, I was already in abundance. And so I didn't have to fear lack and it was really interesting to just think about like being on that spectrum and like regardless of where i am i'm okay and i can move from one place to another and adopt that new identity that's yes amazing yeah i remind people um for example i don't walk around and say i want to be asian because i'm already asian and when you walk around and say i want to be abundant you must tell yourself it's called a presupposition in neurolinguistic programming the presupposition is you're currently in lack and that is the interesting aspect of the law of polarity is that whenever you're choosing one sided polarity, as soon as you say that, the other side comes with it. So you either love both sides, which depolarizes it, or you, you bypass that polarity. There's a way to bypass the polarity. Mm. Amazing. So can you talk a little bit about the deeper work that you do with groups and clients. Um, I know in particular, my husband has had a lot of experiences with you. And um, back in May, one in particular was really life-changing where he was actually able to connect with our daughter before we even knew that we were pregnant. And so I'm not going to, you know, share that story for him at some point. We'll have him come on and share it personally. But can you talk a little bit about that type of work and what actually happens when people are able to connect with something else or their higher selves or mm-hmm. just in general, why that work is so powerful and transformational. Sure. Just to give context, our world, especially the Western world, which is run by capitalism, which essentially the overall contextual programming that we live in, like all the media, all the ads is basically saying, you're not there yet. You need my thing to get there. Right, that's basically all marketing. I, I actually just recently I've been thinking about this for a decade. I just figured it out two weeks ago how to market without imparting that separation. So it's just helpful for everyone that's listening and watching to know that you live in that energy. Right. Everything is basically telling you like you need more. Right. That's consumerism. And so that's like operating from desire and egoic desire. And again, if we go a little bit into David Hawkins's work, he's kind of mapped out the amount of energy that comes with different emotions. 
and desire is 125 on a scale. Courage is 200, right? Like knowing or acceptance is 300, uh, joy and bliss is like 500. And so that's important to kind of understand too, because uh, according to his numbers, anything below 200, right? So keep in mind, desire is 125. Anything below 200 exists in the absence of truth. That's powerful. Like it, it needs to be 200 above to exist in truth. Or the other way to say that is if we were to use religious terms, it exists in alliance or alignment to God, right? If we don't use religious terms, we can say it exists in alignment to the universe. And would that be because desire, it basically means that you're in some sort of lack because you believe you don't have it yet? Yeah, it has to do with the amount of energy. For example, like on a scale, shame is 40, guilt is 50. They're some of the lowest energy that we produce. Right. And, and for some of the listeners who may not know this, um, we now know that 78% of our DNA doesn't make proteins. It doesn't make the molecules that run our biology. They used to call them junk DNA because it, it was like, it doesn't make proteins. We now know it makes light. We're literally 78% light emitting beings and only 22% biology, chemical reduce, releasing beings. We're three fourths light beings that's broadcasting light particles away from us. And so what dictates the frequency and the energy of these light particles is our thoughts and our emotions. And so essentially at desire at 125, just not enough energy. And these numbers are logarithmic. Like, so they go from 125 to 126 is a extra zero. So they go from 125 to 200, that's a lot of zeros, right? 75 extra zeros of energy to get to courage. And so it just really is an energy thing where it's just too weak to really exert and to be in alignment with truth, basically. I want to ask you a little bit more about that because desire is such a big part of the work that I do. And I feel like even our conversation today, it's been really, really interesting because you had a desire to change. You didn't want to feel sick anymore. You didn't want to, you know, be in the same place. You wanted to help people. And so I feel like for me, desire is such a core part of the work that I do and how I actually tune in to next steps. And so I totally am just like, eating this up because I want to understand like how, how would you go from sort of that place and using desire to fuel you and to get to the next level? And like, what would you access instead of that? Yeah. And, and I want to contextualize this. None of these numbers are, are bad, right? For example, if you look at Hawkins' work, he says, look, to be in guilt, if you came from shame is amazing. You just added 10 extra zeros of energy to your system. And if you go from, let's say, guilt to fear, which I believe is 75, that's 25 extra zeros. That's, you're moving up. And you go from fear to anger, again, you're moving up. What would be the next step after desire? There's one between desire and courage. Courage is 200. I forget what that one is. But anyone can, if you just- But I'm a high achiever, so I want to go to the next level, so. (laughs) Right. And and allow this, this is just a, a natural process, Right. I mean, I learned about Hawkins' stuff, you know, maybe six years ago. But I can, as I reflect back, there was just a natural, like anything, even without really trying in a way, our souls and our spirits will naturally progress, right? And so there's this natural progression. Like, I feel like one of the reasons we incarnated into this plane is to progress through all of these feelings and experiences. That's why they're not bad, right? We want to experience the the shame, the guilt, the fear, the anger, the desire, the courage, and go all the way up to the love, the joy, the bliss, full spectrum. And so um, it's helpful to kind of understand that context because I don't want to imply that desire in any way is bad. 
He just, he gave a very left brain logical scale to use basically. And so, yeah. And then it's just helpful that, you know, for example, absolutely. When I was young, it was desire because, and I was beautiful because I was in fear, right? I was in, in some shame from like, I, I, I get sick all the time and my body sucks. And so to go from that to desire was an incredible increase in energy. It was very helpful. And over time, I've learned, for example, all of my business doings right now comes from a place of knowing. It doesn't come from, I want it. It's like, oh, my future self actually showed me this. I'm just following the instructions of that. And when I make decisions, it isn't like, oh, I want that. It's like, oh, when I look at that, I have this feeling of absolute knowing and certainty that that is the thing. Right. And so you start to operate at a different frequency in this or a different energy level in this scale. And the reason I gave all that context is at the events are my, my job is to use ancient wisdom and new technologies, bridging them together to help people wherever they are on this scale to essentially move up on this scale and realize that we're absolutely these divine beings. Like it's almost like we have superpowers. We're like a superhero. And then we were tricked by the masses thinking we're just regular old human beings. And so I, uh, my passion really is to help people realize like, oh no, you're, you're, you have superpowers. Let's tap into that. Hmm. Yeah. And I, I'm getting emotional thinking about when James came back from your event, because it was like, it was like pure love. Like I couldn't even look at him the way that he was looking at me. Like he, the way, the way that he was looking at me was in a way I'd never seen him look at me. And it was almost uncomfortable because it was so, it wasn't normal. And I was like, what is happening right now? Like there is so much love being emitted from your body. And so I imagine that's due to the work of, of up-leveling for lack of a better word. Yeah. There were certain, you know, he had like a vibration vest on with very specific songs and there were energetic, energetic shamanic things happening in the same time. And my job at these events is I sit there and I'm basically tuning into unconditional love and just broadcasting unconditional love into that space. That's my job. That makes, that's all I do. I basically sit there and broadcast unconditional love. And for many people, unconditional love is, you know, it's, it's 600 on that scale, I believe, which is a lot of energy. And for people that are used, are not used to that energy, it's, it can be intimidating. It's like, whoa, what, what is this? You know, and again, unconditional love means I love you no matter what. Again, mass media says you're not there yet, which is the opposite of unconditional love, right? And that's why it's it's so powerful to feel that because you've crossed to the other side of unconditional love versus conditional love. Your love if you have this car, your love if you have this status or this thing. So beautiful. And for you know, I know that you're not you're leading retreats regularly, but you're not you know doing them every single day. And so, how do you stay in a place of knowing and being connected to your higher self and continue to make decisions from that place. Right now, I actually, you know, spend most of my attention in studying more and more ancient wisdoms, hermetics and, and alchemy and things. And essentially that is my role in the businesses that I have. My my role is to tune the frequency of the business and my partners so everyone is in alignment. And then they're doing what I would consider the, the actual business stuff, right? And so, and again, that identity of resonance magnet, I've attracted the most incredible heart-centered, loving, but yet 
brilliant entrepreneurs um, ever together in, in these teams. And so um, my, my work, right, my contribution really is just being me, studying what I like to study, and then self-expressing who I am. And as a side effect of that complete, uninhibited, no agenda self-expression comes the, the businesses and the doings, right? Which is very different than I have this outcome I want. I'm going to do all these things to get there. That definitely is a stepping stone, a, a path towards this other way of doing it, right? Which is I'm actually just expressing who I am. Like children just express who they are. When children go on a playground, they don't say, I'm going to swing on that swing eight times. I'm going to go there five times. Therefore, my parents will love me. Right? They just go to the playground and just express themselves. I believe we go through, everything goes in cycles. We're meant to go back to that complete uninhibited self-expression. And then the side effect, this, I hinted at this earlier, we can bypass the polarity. This is how we bypass the polarity. We literally, without attachment to outcome, express our true selves. And then the side effect is whatever the outcome. Mm. And can anyone start at that place? Um, and what I mean by that specifically is, for example, the business owner who clearly has an outcome in mind when they get started, they want to launch a business, they want to make sure that they can replace their income so they can go full-time, et cetera. And so how would you get from like that mindset or that way of doing things to the place where you're literally like expressing yourself, being you, and that is for lack of a better phrase, paying the bills and doing what you, you know, helping you live. So I believe, again, we incarnated to have the full experience, right? So I can swing to the side of non-attachment and complete self-expression because I spent decades on the other side, which is working 60 hours a week. I had KPIs. I had my staff do KPIs and I did all, all the things. And so, um, Embrace that side if you're on that side and know that at some point, as long as you don't have an identity like I'm a hard worker that attaches you to that side, trust that the law of rhythm will swing you to the other side. It's like, you know, I mean, I, I used to live in New Jersey. And so we trust that when winter comes, it's going to be cold, right? The law of nature has rhythm. Everything in our lives and our reality has a rhythm to it. You don't think you could have bypassed that stage? No. Um, and this is a deeper conversation. So if we have free will, which we do, like I'm choosing to pick up this glass with my smoothie. If we have free will, we must also have the opposite of free will, which is destiny, right? And so another way to say it is control. If we, if we have control over our lives, we must also have no control. There's something higher power that is quote unquote controlling us. I like to use the word choice versus control. And I've been on spiritual missions and trips where absolutely this was shown to me that there is no way we have complete choice over our lives. There's a higher power. And so you dance, right? I caught one foot in choice and one foot in I have no choice. I'm just being guided. I'm a, a complete empty vessel for, again, if you're religious, you can say God. If you're not, you can say universe. One of the things that James mentioned to me many times about you is that you are basically without ego. So can you talk a little bit about that and share how you were able, what does that even mean, number one, and how were you able to get to that place? Yeah, I think it's awesome that he, he thinks that. I, I definitely have an ego for sure. My, this is my opinion, right? So this is definitely completely my opinion, is that uh, we need our egos, right? Because our egos are identity, right? And so that's, it's, it's who we are. If 
we were to actually completely let go of our ego, which I have a calling to experience this in a phase of my life where I'm just going to go into the woods for a couple of years and just live by myself. Because when you interact with other humans, you kind of need your identity, right? Or else you would just be this crazy person. They would label you as crazy, just like doing random things. And so in the personal development space, in the spirituality space, there's a lot of um, language of like ego death. You must kill the ego. Again, it's another brainwashing technique saying you have something bad in you. Do this to, to be better. It's really about non-attachment to ego, right? So you can see your ego as an observer. Like, yep, I'm, I'm a father. You know, I have two daughters. And yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. I, am, I mean, those are all egoic things, but I am not tied to it, right? I'm not holding on to it. I can just observe it as a third person. And in that third person observation space, you then can really tap into your divine self as well. And so that may be what James is experiencing uh, when we interact, is that I've learned to be an observer. In other words, to be non-attached to my ego, but I, I definitely have ego. And I, like all humans, I get triggered. Recently, I just got triggered. I went into my egoic self and I like clamped down and you know, I acted like a 10-year-old. So it, it happens. I love that. Yeah. No, I think that is what he meant. And the element of non-attachment to the scenario or to the schedule or what we think is supposed to happen, um, not having judgment over the situation, just being open and essentially, you know, flowing instead of that attachment. Yeah. And so I'm curious to know, you talked a little bit about, how do I want to say it? Just about like financially up-leveling and going from, you know, where you were to where you are today. And so I'm curious to know in terms of financials, how do you actually bridge the old and the new? I know you wanted to cover that with our audience. Yeah. I used to run a mastermind seven years ago and I helped um, essentially other practice owners grow their practices. And what I found was that the number one thing that I felt was limiting their finances versus what they thought were completely different, right? I'll give you the example. One person was like, her reason why her clinic wasn't growing was, she's like, I can't find good help. And so from my perspective and deeply tuning into her, one, the story of I can't find good help will manifest, I can't find good help. It rationalizes why no good employees are coming. But for me, it was really about, it goes back to self-worth, right? She's like, I am not... Um, important enough or good enough. I must be the best clinician in my office. Of course, that's going to block you from attracting another clinician that's even better, right? Because that goes against that sort of, I am the best. And so for a lot of people, it's going to be the internal work. And I'm sure you've, this, I didn't come up with this. I forget some other author came up with this. You kind of write down like, you know, making $10, $10 an hour, how does that feel? Versus $50 an hour versus $100 an hour versus $1,000 an hour. At some point, there'll be a number that's kind of uncomfortable, like $10,000 an hour. You're like, ooh, that, that feels uncomfortable. And so that kind of gives you a barometer of like where your, your current self-worth and self-identity and finances are intermingling. That gives some clarity on where that is. And then once you have that, I think it's a great time to go deeper into who you are and shifting that identity or shifting those stories or shifting those subconscious blocks. And again, this is where ancient wisdom comes in. You know, um, the ancient practices, whether it be shamanic or, you know, we'll call it hermetics, it was all about affecting us at the deepest, deepest, deepest layers of who we are. And this is why I'm such a huge fan of them. And so that 
affecting the deepest layer of who we are. Another way to say this, if, if I were to use a little bit more spiritual terms, our physical reality and our physical body vibrates slower than our spiritual self, which vibrates faster. If we can shift our spiritual selves, it trickles down and immediately changes our physical reality. And so many of us are working on the physical reality, right? And not realizing we can work at the spiritual layer, which automatically trickles down and changes our physical layer. Now, I'll give you another example of this. I had a, a woman that came to one of our events and she didn't have any intention of losing weight, but she was attached to certain substances. Um, there was a lot of heaviness in her life. And in a six-day event, uh, and we we had a private chef that cooked like three-course meals every meal. So we ate a, a ton of food. But we did help her change her spiritual self. We shifted the frequency there. She let go of a lot of the denser, heavier energies. She lost 12 pounds in six days. And so without trying to lose weight, we were just eating tons of food. And that's an example of how we can affect that higher vibrational, spiritual, higher self layer. And it will just trickle down into our 3D world, our, our physical layer. And so when it comes to finances, you can do the same. Tap into your spiritual self, your higher self. We can also call it your subconscious and then program it there. And then the conscious mind and the 3D layer to everyday life will shift. And how do you recommend reprogramming? Because I know, you know, we talk about a variety of different exercises on this podcast and within some of my courses, but what have you seen worked best, especially for money? One of my favorite processes that apply to almost all things, and it's my favorite because it's very algorithmic. It's like a, a system, like it's very reproducible. It's called a wholeness process. And I can share a recording that I made for any listener. I can give it to you and kind of share it out where I guide people through this process. And essentially what you do is you identify a certain feeling that you no longer want, right? And if we were applied to finances, it could be like a worry or a fear about money, right? And this process will help you identify subconsciously where it is in your system. And it will help also identify the aspect of your ego that is attached to it. And it will help you dissolve the ego and the energy itself. And so it's a beautiful process. It takes maybe 15 minutes and it's super impactful because it's working at that spiritual energetic slash subconscious layer of reality. Oh, I love that. Yeah. We'd be grateful for that training. Thank you. All right. So I have to circle back to something that we've kind of glazed over that I know everyone wants to know more about, myself included. <laughs> so you said you recently uncovered how to market without making people feel bad or coming from a place of fear and scarcity and lack, and you're not good enough. Are you able to give us any hints as to how, the, how you do that? Yeah, I can give the, the general context. It was a download that just came to me as I was meditating. And it was probably one of the most profound moments in the last 10 years, because I've been wrestling with this concept for 10 years, right? Because I knew all of my marketing and all my businesses still impart separation. And what we try to do is we try to impart the smallest separation. For example, we have an app that we're coming out with. It appears like a health and wellness app, like, hey, your, your gut health is off. That's like a little separation. But what it really is, is a self-discovery consciousness enlightenment app. But we can't market it as an enlightenment app because that says you're not enlightened, right? That's an example. So my, my recent download was that the, the message is something along the lines of, Yes, you can live from your ego, which comes with 
this duality, right? This abundance and lack, the strong and weak. And that's perfectly fine. Like you, your soul, your spirit slash God slash universe maybe chose that for you and you chose it for yourself. And there's nothing wrong with struggling or suffering or loving or enjoying in that in that way. However, tap into yourself. Your self-knowing will know if that is the experience that's meant for you now, or are you ready to transition to what I call the spiritual slash divine slash non-dual way of living, which comes from, it's the whole self-expression without inhibition um, side effect thing. And we just let people choose. And we don't frame it as this is wrong, you need to be here. We just give people the context of the two contextual ways of living and say, both are divinely perfect and you get to choose. And I believe that their inner knowing will, will guide them. And the beauty of this is, doesn't matter which one they choose. If they choose the egoic stuff, the, the program, the thing will help them through that context. If they choose the non-dual spiritual higher self way, the program is tweaked to guide them through that process. That makes sense. And so they get to choose. It's almost like the root content could be the same. And we're not saying you need this root context to get here. We're saying when you're here, it could be fine. When you're here, it could be fine. Tap into your inner knowing and the program will help you in whichever sandbox you want to play in. And have you, as somebody who creates these beautiful experiences and retreats and obviously has a lot of tools to help people, have you been let, able to let go of the attachment to people signing up for things and saying yes for things? Yeah, yeah. So I'll talk a little bit about this. So three years ago, this again, this download came to me during meditation, which is, it's called Omni Benefit. And what I started to realize was that, you know, in the, the older way of doing business language, people would say things like, I got to win. Well, if someone got a win, the polarity is someone else lost, right? Someone won, someone got the bigger, better deal. And so eventually people became more conscious and aware to say, no, we want to make a win-win offer, right? A win-win transaction. The drawback to the win-win is the transaction can be win-win, but the side effect, the things around it get sacrificed. That could be health. It could be time with family. It could be all kinds of things. And so I started to realize, why don't we do things from an omni-benefit way where from the beginning, even in the idea conception to the marketing, to the strategy, to the execution, to the, the, the finish line, everybody involved wins, right? And so once I held on to that energy, and I'll give an example of this, uh, last year we did a trip to Egypt where 27 of us did the spiritual mission in the Great Pyramids on November 11th at 1111. And I sent out a video and all I did was like, it was even high quality. It wasn't fancy like this, like at home, laptop, loom video, poor video quality. And basically the video was an invitation video to, to come to Egypt. Now I set the intention of, even if they don't come, just by watching this video, their lives would have been improved and changed, right? So I, I, I broadcast a certain energy basically to, to have that as the intention. And sure enough, many people reached out to me, ones that didn't come and ones that came said, they literally felt somatic shifts and cried watching this video, right? So I wasn't attached to them coming or not. Now, the good news is, interestingly, with that intention, normally when I have events and I send out these invitation videos, this is how I, I fill them, they're all private invites, uh, maybe 20% conversion rate, like one out of five will say yes, this one was 90%. 
it actually overfilled. I had to decide who can come in these slots. And so that was the first time I applied sort of that omni benefit into the quote unquote marketing and actually returned much better, much better results than I need to get them to come. That's so good because it's something, and the reason I ask is is to kind of pair the two conversations around the marketing and the attachment to people signing up because it's something I definitely struggle with because I know that I have the desire to help people. I know that our products help people, all the things. And I recently had a copywriter working for me and she wrote this like cart abandoned sequence. And in it, it said, you know, I'm so upset that you haven't signed up yet. And I was like, I can't say that because that's not actually true. If it's not meant for them right now, that's okay. But I love like adding in the other layer of, you know, even this email can impact somebody positively, even if they don't take the next step right now or ever. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll give people more examples of this. So I was designing this experience for this spa. And again, as an omni benefit. And when people first walked into the spa, typically when you walk into any spa, they'd be like, Hey, and they're going to try to sell you some, some service basically. Whereas in this place, the person would greet the person with their name, they would ask their name, they would hug them, and they would explain to them, look, everything we do here is about energy. And so even before we discuss anything, we have this waiting area. You can sit down, you clip on a heart math, which is just like a, a coherence thing. You use an app. And basically, they would have everyone breathe in coherence for five minutes just to get their nervous system to be in tune and calm. And then from there, there would be a discussion of like, all right, what are your, what are your desires? What are your needs? How can we, how could this be a fit basically? Now, here's the interesting part. Even if the person doesn't buy, they're like, eh, this isn't for me. Their nervous system was improved just by walking in. So that's an example of how you can apply this omni benefit way to your marketing. Now, here's the beauty. When someone is not in fear, when their nervous system is calm, they're more likely to buy anyway, right? And so there's a a great way to do this where there is an omni benefit. Mm, Thank you. That's awesome. So the question we love to ask all of our guests here at I Heart My Life is what is one way that our listeners can create a life that's better than their dreams and far exceeds their expectations? Ooh, that's a great question. Well, if I had to make a recipe for that, I would say first and foremost, the root frequency is trust. Whether that's trusting in yourself or trusting in your business partners, your friends, whoever you're interacting with, Um, trusting, of course, your higher self slash universe slash God, at the foundation of it's going to be trust. Um, I think beyond that, building upon that that fuel of trust, the machine, that cogwheels, the machine parts, would be like delegation, right? Because you can't do everything yourself. Like you're not going to be able to scale to a certain way because I know so many entrepreneurs, like I'm going to learn the copywriting, I'm going to learn the marketing, I'm going to learn to do all the things. That is one way to do it. Or you can literally just trust and attract the people. Like I have an info product business um, that I don't really do any work in. I created the content and my business partner does the, the split testing. He's like, split testing is my passion. I'm like, perfect. That's definitely not my passion. I, I can do it. I know how to do it. I did it years ago. And so we just partner up and I stay in my lane and do my thing. And it's my joy. I love making content. And he does the marketing part. And so really it's just trusting and and maybe delegating isn't the word. It's just like... Um, Knowing your lane, or also, you know, some people call it your zone of excellence, what you're passionate about, and figure out what are the other pieces that are missing and just attract that energy or those people or those resources. I love that. And I heard from somebody recently that one of the ways you can know 
kind of if you're transforming, if you're doing personal growth, if things are shifting for you is by the people you're attracting into your life and what they're up to in the world, what they're all about, who they are, the energy they emit. And I feel like that's come up many times in various ways throughout our conversation. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're just a bunch of vibrating molecules. Right? And so if you're vibrating at 50 hertz and you jump to 100 hertz, you're just going to tune into a bunch of other 100 hertz people and not to 50 hertz anymore. This is absolutely true. So good. So where can people find you, learn more about your work? I know you have multiple businesses, but in particular, the retreats and some of the events that you host. Yeah, I think a good starting point would just be my personal site, which is drsteveyoung.com. We do have other businesses uh, and, and the events, but the events are kind of private invite only. But the site, which interestingly isn't an e-commerce, there's nothing to buy on my site. I give out a course where you learn how to be proficient with your with your spell casting. It's called Wisdom Words. It's just my gift to humanity um, to, to really all work together and play together and contribute together to move humanity forward. And on that site, there's deeper information. And of course, on that site, there's ways to contact me if people want deeper support. I get asked all the time, do I do coaching? I, I don't I don't do coaching. Um, I did that, you know, about seven, eight years ago, but more than happy to support anyone in any way if they if they reach out. I can just send an email with some tip or something. Oh, that's so generous. Thank you. Sure. Well, thank you so much for your time and your energy and for all of your wisdom. I know that people just like myself are going to get so much from this conversation and from your presence. So thank you for being here. Of course. No, happy to share. And thank you for having me on this incredible podcast. My pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the I Heart My Life show. Now do us a favor and tell people about this episode. It's truly our duty to make sure that the I Heart My Life movement is spread far and wide. The truth is life can be challenging, but it is possible for all women to love themselves and their lives. And while you're at it, send a link to this episode to three of your friends today, or maybe even post it on social media. Use the hashtag I Heart My Life Show. That's hashtag I Heart My Life Show. And if you'd like to help me personally, then please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us some stars, cheer us on, and leave a review. Because believe it or not, that stuff actually really does help. And I read all of them. Please remember everything you desire is meant for you and possible. Keep showing up, taking action, and believing in your dreams.